0: Morning everyone, uh, today we are going to study Psalm 127, uh, so if you have your Bible, feel free to open it, and I will be reading from ESV, um, although ESV may not be the perfect uh, English translation, but I still need to use one English translation, so I will just keep, uh, keep it to the ESV, but uh, we will talk about it like, uh, as uh, we continue to study Psalm, so let's focus on verse 1 for now. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, neighbor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I just want us to focus on one single word, house. The noun house in verse one is a very common word. That has more than one meaning in the Old Testament. So if you have your Hebrew Bible, you know it. Um, So if, if you, No Hebrew, most English translations have chosen one of the many connotations and the connotation of a physical structure, a house, okay? Which is appropriate. Uh, Other possible meanings include what? Actually the house can actually mean a very special house. It can mean the temple. So in an appropriate context, it can mean the temple. It can mean actually people, household. The people in the household. Or, of course, in the most conventional understanding, it can mean a physical house, a building. Uh, Similarly, the noun city can have more than one meaning or at least can have an extended meaning. In the Hebrew Bible, if you see the word city, it can mean definitely a large town, right? But in the Old Testament, when the Israelites refer to the city, they are referring to one special city. Which city? Jerusalem, yes, the city of Jerusalem. If we take a look at the superscription of the psalm, there's a superscription, not every psalm has it, but this one has it. It says it's a song of essence of Solomon. So Psalms 120 to 134 have a common heading, song of essence. The tra- traditional and conventional understanding is that these psalms were used by pilgrims climbing up to Jerusalem. And how about Solomon? Let me ask you, okay, if one mentions the name Solomon, what image will pop up? House, temple, or household? Probably the first image it will pop up in your mind is the temple, because it was Solomon who built the temple. And one more observation, whenever the Nang house and the Nang city in Hebrew were mentioned together in the Old Testament, they always mean the temple and the holy city. So if we take all these clues, including the superscription together, the first verse actually, it may give such an impression like this. Unless the Lord builds the temple, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the holy city, those watchmen stay awake in vain. So if the Lord is the primary worker behind the work, do you think is there any human effort needed? Of course. Although the work is the Lord, it also presupposes um, the active involvement of human beings. The New Testament uses the temple in the Old Testament as a metaphor for many things. For example, Jesus has used the temple to refer to his own body and the Apostle Paul has also used the temple to compare to individual body of a Christian, but this is not the most commonly used for the temple. The most commonly used of the temple as a metaphor is a metaphor for the church. When I say the church, obviously, as seminarians and other friends, you know that I'm not talking about the buildings with pills. We are talking about people, the community of believers. So. For those who are already involved in building and guarding, but the motives has become confused at times. This verse actually serves as an excellent warning or at least a correction. Do not build for the sake of building and do not guard for the sake of guarding. And when applied to church life, if we see the temple as a metaphor for church in the New Testament, we must know that We must know whose ministry it is when we build the church. It's the Church of Christ. Even you are the senior pastor of a church, it's not your church. It's the Church of Christ. Don't serve for the sake of serving and don't build for the sake of building. Serving and building might be meaningful activities. Those who are involved in these activities may feel good in doing it. The same is true in ministry. We feel good in doing ministry, especially if we are building the church, just like when people are building the temple or the city, it feels good because these are important work, very important work, just like building the Church of Christ. Some Christians begin to serve God and build the church with pure motives. After a while, the ministry for which we are responsible for becomes the goal of our ministry. So we work because we want to be successful. When a ministry succeeds, it represents our identity and our success. When a ministry fails, it symbolizes our failure. The degree of decision-making power in ministry determines our worth, unfortunately, and this is dangerous. Maybe this song would help us to remember that ministry belongs to the Lord and the church belongs to the Lord. But For those who are involved in building and guarding and their motives are pure. I would believe most of you are in that situation. So you build and you guard and your motives are pure. And these words serve as a good, excellent encouragement to us. Those who are involved in building have to affirm that it is the Lord who builds. Those who are involved in guarding have to affirm that it is the Lord who guards. No matter how hard we build, how careful we are and how faithful we got. We just cannot guarantee success. Do not place an unreasonable burden on our own shoulders. If you think you are even the most important person in your church, it's the Church of Christ. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder builds in vain. Let's reread verse one with verse two together. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it neighbor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. The pronoun he in the last line of course refers to the Lord, for the Lord gives to his beloved sleep. There are two points that deserve detention attention in these two verses. Number one, there's a progression from objective description to direct command from verse one to verse two. So you'll find laborers and guards in verse one, but the plural you, right? You in verse two. This may be what we call uh, our for theory argument in wisdom literature. The first nine is an assertion, accepted by everyone. So everyone knows this but the second line is the conclusion drawn from this basis. So the main point is verse 2. So the focal point of verse 2 appears to be a personal, toilful life. When combined with verse 1, the house in verse 1 is more likely to refer to a physical building, to refer to a physical shelter rather than the temple. Typically, a person is in a house, rests in a house, and sleeps in a house, a physical building. The overall theme is that a person toils for his material life. In Old Testament wisdom literature, diligence is always a virtue. The problem is not reasonable labor, but excessive toil. Therefore, for those who build their own house, we just need to work hard. In today's world, we often praise prudence and undermine diligence. Both are virtues according to the Old Testament. On the other hand, for those who toil too much, just work too hard. The warning is clear. It is in vain for you. What these verses remind us is that the focus of our life should not be on physical goods, such as our house or the food. The focus of our life should not be on the activities such as building and toil. The focus should be on the identity, His beloved. If this identity cannot characterize who we are, it is in vain for us to do our daily activities. I like what Old Testament scholar John uh, Golden Gate, uh, when he comments on this psalm, he says, the observations about human efforts and divine involvement in verses one and two are reason for some anxiety. Hence, the human instinct is to avoid their implications. We can never know whether the efforts we expend in what we are trying to do will lead anywhere. Yahweh may cause or allow them to be frustrated by events we could never have predicted and make allowance for. But that aspect of Yahweh's involvement in our lives is counterbalanced by the fact that Yahweh loves us. Even the disappointments, frustrations and reversals can be embraced by that. Do not place an unreasonable burden on our own shoulders. Let's continue to read this psalm. Psalm 127 verses 3 to 5. Behold, children are a, a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the room a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Probably you will notice, if you are using a different version, you may see uh, some difference in uh, in the translations of verse five that I will mention later. So the theme of these last three verses is that children are the means through which the Lord blesses human beings. Taken together with verses one and two it's likely that the actual house in verse one refers to the household, refers to the people, Inside the house, unless the Lord builds the household, those who build in it if labor in vain. Of course, the Lord builds the household of a man by giving him offspring, children. The word behold, in verse three, typically directs the audience or reader's attention. And so what should the audience pay attention to? Children, are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. To bear children, to be able to bear children, requires the effort of human beings, but their heritage and reward originated from the Lord. And the next two verses explain why children are a reward. The psalmist uses arrows to compare to the sons of one's youth. Since some translations use the gender inclusive language, nowadays we always try our best to use a gender inclusive language, And that's okay in some sense, but in this case, I would rather go for the masculine sense of the word, okay? So I would rather translate the term as translated as children with sons. Why? Because um, it makes more sense in the context, because it will be the sons who argue with the enemies at the gate, not children per se, okay? Uh, at any rate, uh, the Hebrew text actually have the pre- uh, plural they in verse 5, although the ESV and other translations may have the uh, plural he. Um, so if the plural is they, it could be the sons who speak with the man's um, enemies in the gate. And uh, of course, uh, at that time, uh, no woman would do the job. For those who toil for the career and has neglected the household, although children are an heritage from the Lord and a reward. Humans are still responsible to build the household. To make a living is not an excuse for neglecting the family. Unless the Lord builds the household, those who build labor in vain. So for those of you who are young parents, including myself, we often try to give the best to our kids. Is is it you? Okay, I, I try to my best. And there's nothing wrong uh, to a certain extent. But however, we must remind ourselves that unless the Lord builds the household, those who build neighbor in vain. So we need to ask ourselves, how much have we involved our Lord in our parenting? Or are we just using worldly wisdom in our parenting? What type of household are we building? Do we just want our kids to excel in their career, in school, or are we concerned with their faith upbringing? For those young parents, again, including myself, we should affirm once again, behold, children are an, heritage, are an, are an inheritance from the Lord. They are a reward, even though we have done our best to ensure a smooth path for them and to cultivate their spiritual life, the future of our kids is still not in our hands. We just cannot control, we cannot guarantee. Do not place an unreasonable burden on our own shoulders. So, which interpretation is correct? Uh, as I've been teaching the book of Job, and this is maybe one of the uh, most common questions that I ask the class. So now, which interpretation is correct? Psalm 127 is a wisdom psalm and ambiguity is a common literary features employed in this wisdom literature. Maybe it's intentional, okay? So of course, like a word can commonly have one sense under a particular context. But at times, in wisdom sayings, a term can be ambiguous. It can have multiple senses. At times, life is just too much. I thank God for Psalm 127. I am the Lord's beloved. Is this what counts after all? The primary target audience of these Psalms are people with responsibilities. Both the builder and the God are figures or metaphors for the man who needs to make sure that everything gets done. The head of the household is responsible for the well-being of the family. The father is responsible for raising the children. And most of the time, all these three roles were played by the same individual. Of course, in today's world, women also can take up all these roles. On the other hand, we cannot deny our responsibilities. On, On the one hand, we cannot deny our responsibilities. But on the other hand, when we take up our responsibilities, we must ask whether the Lord is involved in all these activities. If we find that the burden is too heavy, we must be reminded that we are God's beloved. We can find rest in Christ. Yes, we human beings are called to manage the world on God's behalf, but due to our corrupt nature, we just cannot do it on our own. We must rely on our Lord who has restored our true nature through the redeeming work on the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this psalm. It is a wonderful psalm that can comfort us, especially when there's so, so much responsibilities in our life. In terms of the church ministry, in terms of the household, and in terms of our work, our survival. But we thank you for this song because we know that God loves us and we are God's beloved. And we thank you for that. May we remind ourselves just to lift all our burdens and just lift it back to you and cast all these burdens back to you. And on the other hand, we are reminded that we are still, after all, responsible for everything that you have entrusted us we thank you we pray all this in jesus name amen so may you all rise and receive benediction may the grace of our lord jesus the love of our heavenly father and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all from this present date to the end of ages amen God bless you.